Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Beer and Money. I am Ryan Berkler. And I'm Alex Collins. In our last episode, we were talking about bonds. Yay, so bonds. <laughs> in this episode, we're going to talk about stocks. Uh, much more interesting topic. So the, the agenda for today's episode is going to be, we're going to A, define what a stock is. And then we're going to talk about, okay, where does the return come from inside of a stock? And there are different ways of holding stocks. What are those ways? Many of you have several maybe different ways of holding them in your portfolio. So we're going to discuss what those differences are. So Alex, why don't we jump right in here? What is a stock? So when you own stock, you own a portion of that company. So if you own a share of Microsoft, you own part of Microsoft. You can actually say, I, I own Microsoft. Um, I'm going to make a little joke slash seriousness. Uh, the Green Bay Packers mm -hmm. are well known for you can actually own a piece of the Green Bay Packers stock in the Green Bay Packers. And I think mo most of our listeners, listeners understand that I am was born in Denver, so I'm a diehard Broncos fan. And that would be fantastic if I could literally state I'm an owner inside of the Denver Broncos football club. But yeah. I've already taken us down that rabbit hole. So let's let's bring it back. <laughs> yeah. So again, um, you know, if you own one share of Microsoft, uh, you are beyond a minority owner in, in Microsoft. Um, you are by no means anywhere close to to having any kind of a controlling interest or anything of that nature. Um, so Bill doesn't it, invite you to his house after you own a share? No, no, not so much. Um, <laughs> you you got to own a few more than one. Um, and uh, so it, it it's essentially you own a small a uh, small fraction of whatever the company is. So uh, let's let's try and break this down and make it uh, super easy and say that there's a hundred shares outstanding for for a company. If you own one share, you own one percent of that company. Uh, now, a company like Microsoft has millions of shares. So owning one share, you own like if it were a million shares outstanding, uh, you would own one millionth of the company. And the company might release more shares. Correct. Uh, when you talk, when you hear about stock dilution, that's exactly what happened. Was the stock just issued more? Or the company just issued more shares of stock, um, which means your percentage of ownership went down, right? So back right. to Alex's analogy there, owning one under, owning one share of a company where who has a hundred shares out there. If they make it a thousand shares, now your ownership just went down. Correct. You, you went from 1% to one-tenth of 1%. So now that we understand assuming, what a stock is. Assuming you didn't receive any of those extra 900 shares that got issued. Cor correct. So now that we understand what a stock is, let's talk about where return comes from by owning stock. So ultimately, the return comes from the profits of the company. And there's a couple different ways that this occurs. The first is through appreciation, and the second is through a dividend. 
appreciation is the one that most folks are, are more familiar with. Um, and that is if the cost of a share of stock is $20 a share and it increases to $25 a share, um, you gained $5 for every share that you owned of that company. Um, we can talk about why shares go up and down, but you know the ultimate ultimate underlying fundamentals of the company are the future profits of that company. So the design is for the stock to reflect the sum total of the discounted future cash flows of that company. So why don't you spell that out in English now, Alex? Sure. So if the <laughs> if the company makes a million dollars a year and is expected to continue making just a million dollars a year, not increasing the amount of profit, well, then what we would do is we would take uh, all of the uh, that million dollars per year and we would discount it back to uh, a present value number. So discount it back to today um, using some sort of interest rate as a discount because a dollar today is worth more than a dollar tomorrow uh, or a dollar a year from now. Uh, and if you don't agree with that, um, I, I would like to trade you a dollar 10 years from now for a dollar today. And <laughs> however much I can do, I'll, I'll do that. Um, in other words, think about it from the standpoint of if, a dollar in the fifties and a, and a dollar today, what does that buy you? Right. The dollar in the fifties bought more than the dollar today. Correct. Yeah. That's what he's talking Th this about. Is, there. It's essentially your, your dad telling you like the loaf of bread only cost me a nickel. <laughs> now it costs four bucks or whatever. It was, it was a nickel a gallon. This it's about gas. No, oh, got it. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to figure out where you're going with a gallon of bread. Uh, so we're way off in the weeds now, but uh, it, that gives you an idea as to, to what we're looking at for appreciation. When the expectations of the company go up, the expected future profits of the company, uh, the company typically appreciates in value, uh, meaning that the, the sum total of the value of the company has gone up. And like there are a host of things that affect the value of the company, uh, perceived perception of the company, expected future profits, if there's scandals, if there's new announcements of new products, all of this stuff uh, gets gets built into the value of the stock. And, and the value of a stock is the sum total of all of the known information about that company at the current time. And, and this gets priced in very, very, very quickly. This is why stocks are what they consider a riskier investment because the volatility of it is if something occurs inside of that company, well, that price, the, the price of that stock will go down if it's negative or it could go up if it's positive. So that that is what that supply and demand and, the, and what's going on in the, in, inside of that company allows the stock to fluctuate, which is why it can feel like a roller coaster ride. 100%. The, the second form of rate of return is in the form of a dividend. What the dividend is, is the dividend is the company returning excess profit to the shareholders. 
So let's go back to our example where we own one share of a company that has 100 shares outstanding. And again, we'll, we'll try and make the math relatively easy. If the company announces a $1,000 dividend divided equally among its shareholders, then what winds up happening is you as the holder of one share of stock would receive your proportion, 1% of the dividend that was announced. Uh, in this case, $1,000, 1% of that is going to be $10. And you know, there's things like the date on which the dividend gets announced. There's the date on which you have to own the stock to receive the dividend. And then there's the date in which you actually receive the dividend. Um, and we're not going to get into the mechanics and the specifics. Um, we're, we're really not going to get into the taxation other than uh, to say that that anytime you receive a dividend, it is going to be a taxable event uh, as long as, as you actually receive it. If it's inside of a, a, a retirement account, like a 401k or something of that nature, um, whatever the rules are around that type of account are going to supersede the, the taxation structure. So for example, inside of a 401k, if your 401k receives a dividend, uh, that's still a non-taxable event unless you actually distribute the, the dividend out of the 401k. The other note um, to take or be aware of is not every stock produces a dividend. Correct. Uh, currently, one of the best examples of a non-dividend producing stock is, is Amazon. Um, just we don't necessarily anticipate it paying a dividend anytime soon. Uh, and that's part of the strategy around um, Amazon is, is that they're, they're trying to be very efficient from a taxation standpoint um, and, and provide control over taxation to the owners of their shares. Um, you're not going to have any taxation if you continue to own a non-dividend paying stock until you sell it. And when you sell it, you're going to be paying either short-term if you've held it for less than 365 days or long-term if you've owned it for 365 days or longer, um, capital gains, which is taxed dramatically different than ordinary income in our country. So that's on a high, high level where return comes from by owning a stock. It's the appreciation of the stock and the dividend. Now, there are different ways of owning stocks inside of your portfolio. And three of the most common ways that we see out there is you can just buy individual shares of the stock, so owning the stock in that, in that capacity, or you can have a mutual fund. And what a mutual fund is, it's, it's a fund that essentially you've got a money manager, an investment manager that is buying and selling stocks. So you have multiple stocks that is inside of one fund. And yeah, then, uh, mutual funds aren't definitively stocks. Um, they they oftentimes do own stocks, but it's a, a pre, it's a basket of goods that's decided upon by the investment manager. Um, and there's there is a a set of of rules that that investment manager has agreed to in terms of uh, what the what they're telling investors they're going to invest in, and they need to adhere to that. It's it's not saying that they're going to that they're required to own X, Y, and Z stocks. 
it, it might say something like, oh, we're going to try to mirror the S&P 500 or we're going to own U.S. large companies, um, something of that nature. Um, and if that manager then went out and bought a whole bunch of U.S. small companies, uh, they'd be violating the, the rules of, of what they're supposed to be doing from an investment standpoint. So we've got owning stock, we've got mutual funds, and then the last one that's that's quite common right now are ETFs, Alex. Yeah, ETF is an exchange-traded fund. Uh, it's also a, a mixed basket of different securities, uh, predominantly stocks, but it doesn't have to be stocks. Um, <clears throat> and this is, it's, it's traded much more similarly to a stock where it's traded on an exchange uh, and uh, the, you're, you're buying into a fund and that fund owns the underlying investments. So you don't wind up owning the underlying investments directly, um, but you own it through the, through this fund, um, not too dissimilar from a mutual fund, um, electronic, uh, exchange traded funds, rather ETFs are, uh, commonly less traded than mutual funds. Um, there are some mutual funds that ha that aren't traded very much or very often, but that's one of the differences. Um, there, there's not necessarily, there aren't good and uh, there, there's, it's not as though one of these is good and one of these is bad. There are pros and cons to each one of these components and how they're wound up used and how it's implemented. Um, you know, kind of like a hammer is not better than a screwdriver. It depends on what you're trying to do. If you're trying, if you've got a nail, you don't want a screwdriver. If you've got a screw, you don't want a hammer. So in our next episode, we're going to be talking about the differences between these three and to Alex's point, the pros and cons of that. So, you know, t today we've spoken about, you know, just defining a stock. W what does that, what does that mean? And then we defined, okay, now that I own a stock, how do I earn money? Where's the return coming from? And then there's several ways to own stocks and the way that you own them is dependent upon your philosophy and your investment strategy. So that kind of takes us to the question of the day here, Alex. Yeah, the question of the day for today is, how are you choosing to own stocks in your portfolio? Do you own them outright? Do you own them through mutual funds? Do you own them in an ETF? Do you own it in a brokerage account or in a retirement account? So head over to beerandmoney.net and go ahead and provide us an answer to you know how it is that you're choosing to do it and maybe give us an explanation as to, to why. Uh, if you're curious to to you know, reach out and have conversation with either Ryan or myself. Uh, let us know through that mechanism as well. Uh, there's also a place for you to actually book a 30-minute complimentary consultation with either one of us. Uh, and if there's something that you want to hear in an upcoming episode, drop us a line. We want to hear from you. We want to we want to know what uh, what you guys think. Uh, and please give us a rating with whatever system you're using to, to listen to the podcast, uh, the more feedback that we can get, the, the better we're going to be able to make this for, for all of you guys. As always, we hope this episode was valuable for you and you're able to take some of these uh, 
this knowledge and this resource and put it into action inside of your portfolio. So appreciate you all listening. And as always, Alex, cheers. This podcast is for informational purposes only and it's not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Guest speakers and their firms are not affiliated with or endorsed by Academy Securities Guardian or quantified financial partners and opinions stated are their own. Guardian, its subsidiaries, agents, and employees do not provide tax, legal, or accounting advice. Consult your tax, legal, or accounting professional regarding your individual situation. All investments and investment strategies contain risks and maintenance value. Brian and Alex are registered representatives and financial advisors of Park Avenue Securities, LLC. OSJ, APG, and Indian Boulevard, Fairmont, California, 91791. 909-399-1100. Securities products and advisory services offered through Park Avenue Securities, Canberra, Canberra, SIPC. Financial representatives of the Guardian Life Insurance Company of America, Guardian, Park Avenue Securities is a affiliate subsidiary of Guardian. Bonafide Financial Partners is not an affiliate or subsidiary of Park Avenue Securities or Guardian. Number 2020-111-569. Expiration November 2022.